This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 28, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Congress has delegated a good bit of the power of the purse to the executive. The Trump administration has made use of an obscure old law to give tens of billions of dollars to farmers harmed as a result of tariffs imposed by the president. Cato Research Fellow Will Yateman says Congress's response has been not to jealously guard its prerogatives and its constitutionally delegated power over spending, but to step up to the trough to make sure their farmers get a piece of the pie. Last week, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue announced a second round of market facilitation program payments to great patriot farmers, as they're described by President Trump, to mitigate the harms wrought by the ongoing trade war. This all started in early 2018 when Trump, under utterly false pretenses, announced a wave of national security tariffs. Um, These were supposedly, again, to further to protect our national security, 25% on steel imports and 10% on aluminum imports. If I, As a very brief aside, just to expose how ridiculous this national security impetus is, Cato, we are indeed engaged uh, in litigation challenging this, but um, we, get, uh, we produce two-thirds of our steel. Our number one importer by far is Canada, which by statute is considered part of the U.S. national defense base for planning purposes. So that was sort of a laughable national security excuse. Um, nonetheless, it was imposed. As anyone, as is always the case, there was a retaliation. Canada, Mexico, the EU, China, Turkey, a number of countries, they imposed tariffs, retaliatory tariffs on 800 goods, agriculture, agricultural goods exported by America um, to the tune of $27 billion. That's in 2017 monies, but um, we're talking big bucks, about 20% of total U.S. ag exports. Farmers, of course, ailing as a result of this trade war, of the tit-for-tat tariff um, and retaliatory tariffs. Last year, it was in July, um, Ag Secretary Purdue announced the first round of market facilitation payments, again, to mitigate the harms wrought by this trade war. That was for $12 billion. He said that was going to be a one-time deal. So they went through that. Last week, they announced the second round. So he lied. Um, we're having a second round, $26 billion total. So where does that money come from? Uh, I was astounded to find out uh, upon researching it. It comes from a $30 billion revolving credit line directly from the U.S. Treasury that the Ag Secretary can tap for discretionary purposes whenever he wants to in order to further the cause of farmers growing commodities. Um, It's predicated upon a 1934 statute, the Commodity Credit Corporation Charter Act, um, which again gives the the Ag Secretary these wide-ranging authorities to support um, American farmers. So, you know, if you just uh, take a step back and and consider what's going on here, um, the president in early 2018 started a trade war by imposing unilaterally tariffs under an utterly false pretense. Uh, They were supposedly for national security on steel and aluminum. I mind you that Congress, under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, has the exclusive and plenary authority to impose tariffs. Um, Nonetheless, a a, a 1962 act gave the president this power to impose tariffs um, in the name of national security. The president arguably or, or objectively, obviously, abused this power in proclaiming these national security tariffs. But nonetheless, 
Um, so we've got this, this core congressional function being exercised by the president. Now, it causes all sorts of economic harm. That's the nature of central planning. It's like whack-a-mole. You do one thing, you know, boom, you, co- you engender problems, so it engenders more central planning. Um, but we have this market facilitation program, first $12 billion, then $14 billion, $26 billion total. Again, a core congressional function, the power of the purse. Um, the president's doing it unilaterally, um, all by himself. You say the president has done this unilaterally, but in a sense, he hasn't. Uh, he's decided to give this money to farmers, first $12 billion and then $14 billion. He has statutory authority to do it. Uh, what seems to trouble you is that he has done so uh, as it relates to getting some sort of trade agreement with China, even though the statute itself has essentially nothing to do with trade. Indeed, it, it troubles me because I can't distinguish these actions from those of an authoritarian regime. I mean, unilaterally, we're, and again, I realize that these are um, these powers were delegated by Congress, and, and that gets to the heart of a whole different ball of wax, that of why we have this administrative state overweening and infringing on our liberties. You know, Congress has this practice of avoiding responsibility by delegating the execution of laws to um, the executive branch. Uh, setting aside that whole ball of wax, that's uh, uh, good for a different show. Um, if you just look at these actions and, you know, you don't uh, – on their own per se, you know, you've got a president who overnight announced tariffs, uh, no public participation whatsoever. He did it all by himself. That is unilateral. I, I get that it was based upon a delegation of power, but the act itself, you know, it, 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 one press release is all it takes, one executive order. Um, and the same thing with this printing of money, with this or borrowing, I'm sorry, of money and subsequent printing of money. Um, these are core congressional functions. And it's one thing when we talk about a delegation to the Environmental Protection Agency. We all agree. We love environmental regulation. Uh, here, you know, environmental regulation presumably takes expertise. Uh, you know, you want the eggheads working on that sort of stuff. This is raw lawmaking. This is uh, the imposition, you know, again, core congressional function. Uh, imposing tariffs is something Congress used to do by itself. It's one of the few government regulations that Congress used to do exclusively by itself. Until 1916, Congress used to pass these incredibly long and detailed tariff statutes. The Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act itself had hundreds of provisions on specific products that were to be tariffed. Caleb, you're exactly right. Um, and that was one of a litany. I mean, they, you know, every five years or so, Cong- but at that time, Congress would do so, would, would, would uh, implement the law thusly or would write the law thusly, but would have a hand in creating these policies. Same thing with, of course, with uh, the spending of, of, of money in the public good. That, that is the quintessential, perhaps after taxation, the core legislative power. Um, and again, we've got the, the president exercising it with an executive order and a press release. That is, if that doesn't wake people up about the dangers of delegation, um, then I don't know what will. And, and that, that does, uh, that depresses me greatly. Uh, I'll note here, the people you'd expect to care the most, Congress, right? They're the ones whose power is being usurped. And again, we're setting aside that, that big old ball of wax that is the delegation issue. But here we've got a president with via executive order, via proclamation, via press release, exercising these core legislative functions. 
Um, you'd think they'd be angry. You'd think they'd care. What has been their response? So in 2018, in the wake of the first market facilitation program payments, $12 billion, um, that's power of the purse stuff. You'd think, you'd think they'd care. Their response was to lift restrictions on the Ag Secretary's discretionary use of this spending, of this, of this $30 billion uh, revolving credit fund. So Congress has long understood that uh, the degree to which the president is uh, given certain authorities, at least with respect to trade, uh, that, that the president is going to use these authorities to promote trade. And uh, this president has done the opposite. Now, that's a, an entirely different ball of wax. You, you've got one of the most divisive issues. Right, but are... I mean, the, the, but the, the, the extent to which the president has here uh, made use of this revolving credit line uh, has clearly, clearly been in response to the uh, trade restrictions that he himself has imposed. Of course. Uh, historically, presidents have exercised this authority. They have tapped this money. Um, in 99, Clinton did it to uh, for hog farmers at $10 a head because of, of feed had gone through the roof, the price of feed. In 2015, Obama, I think it was $100 million for a biofuels program. In 2016, it was $300 million for a cotton growing program. Um, but uh, as is obvious, these differed tremendously in size and scope and cause. Those measures were in response to natural disasters or, or, or two, uh, the, the cotton and, and biofuels one pertained to a dispute with Brazil. But it was that, – that wasn't uh, – uh, it wasn't a man-made disaster and man-made by the president. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, so it's, um, it, it, it's, uh, it is an objectionable use of this 1934 statute. Um, however, that's the nature of the law. Um, the law gives the, the ag secretary unfettered authority to tap that money to help farmers in, in growing commodities. That's the, basically the only bounds. If he's helping farmers and it pertains to commodities, then it's A-OK. And again, Congress, this had been used intermittently, historically, in the wake of this unprecedented use. So unprecedented in size, scope, and cause. Congress's immediate response in late 2018 was to lift restrictions, was to lift bounds on the use of this authority. So, I mean, that is to say they knew about it. It's patently crazy. Um, it's patently an affront to their authority. And what do they do? They make it easier to use. All right. So with respect to these authorities and per perhaps uh, more broadly with respect to just just general delegations of authority that the, that Congress has given over you know decades, uh, what should Congress do to to rein that in? Certainly, Democrats and Republicans have different powers that they're concerned about having been given to the president. Is there uh, some sort of meeting of the minds or uh, a way that Congress could, hey, we all agree that presidents shouldn't have certain authorities. Maybe we should just claw back as much as possible and then move on. I would hope so. Um, I would hope that Congress could agree. I mean, where to start? You would start with oversight. I mean, in a perfect world, they would start clawing back these broad delegations that are so readily abused. Um, but baby steps, right? So first things first, I would hope they could agree that that oversight on substantive policymaking is a worthy goal. Um, that likely is impossible. Um, again, we live in a day and age when 
affinity for your party trumps that of institutional pride in Congress. So if a Republican in the Republican Senate, if Trump's in charge, well, that's a fellow member of the Republican. I'm not interested in, I lose interest in oversight, um, vice versa for the Democrats. So uh, I fear that each side is vested or invested in keeping the seat warm for when their guy is in charge or their woman is in charge. Um, so uh, not to sound too pessimistic, but Congress as is, um, and we've gone over some of their responses to these policies, that of, of lifting restrictions on the secretary's discretionary use of these funds, the discretionary use of the power of the purse, um, that of uh, you know, uh, volunteering that you're going to apply for the program. That was the Senate Finance Committee chairman. Um, so I don't see it happening. Um, there's been no indication whatsoever that this is a priority at all by any of the uh, members of Congress with authority in these matters, you know, with committees of, that, that lead or either the ranking member or the chairman committees with jurisdiction over this matter. Um, so, you know, where should they start? Oversight. Where will they start? Well, they're going to continue to bicker and, and protect their side. And um, certainly not in this, the 116th Congress. I don't expect anything to occur. Will Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 